Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This right hand side. Now it's Westwood. 30 yards to the Cherry's goal. Lennon out this near side. One on one with Rico at the moment. Couple of step overs. Back to the edge of the box and Westwood into the near post. And the header has gone down and into the net. Can you believe it? And it's Jay Rodriguez. He scored here for Southampton. He scored today for Burnley. Goal is given. Same as last week. A protracted delay. And same as last week. It might be the away team who nicked a 1 0 win late on. Good morning and welcome to episode 71 of Back of the Net, the AFC Bournemouth podcast. My name's Sam Davis and did you have a good weekend? Nope, me neither. Um, Great game against Burnley, wasn't it? Yeah, really enjoyed it, said no one ever. I'm going to be joined by Michael Dunn. You'll know him from all departments, superb AFC Bournemouth podcast and many of his shows are archived over on YouTube if you still want to listen. Just search all departments AFC Bournemouth. Jeff, the lucky sod, he's away this week and uh, he doesn't have to go over that. I do though, but in a way I'm looking forward to hearing Michael's dulcet tones and hearing what he has to say. Um, How can we beat teams that do what they did. Some people have called it anti-football. Others have said it's the naivety of the cherries. We'll get to the bottom of it and then we'll go on to preview the Arsenal game next weekend too. We'll hear your fans' thoughts and there's also some raw match audio as well. But first, as ever, it's time for this. So we won't talk about Burnley just yet, but we will mention Arsenal. Of course, we're playing them on Boxing Day. And since being in the Premier League, we have scored a total of eight goals against them. Yeah, 
they've scored a hell of a lot more. However, my question to you is, can you name all the goal scorers that have scored for the Cherries against Arsenal in the Premier League? We'll give you the answer at the end of the show. So good luck with that. Also, I just want to say thank you so much to everyone who has donated to us via the Buy Me A Coffee link that I said at the end of the podcast. Um, For transparency, if you follow us on Twitter, I've posted a a screenshot of how much our hosting fees are and we've managed to cover it and also pay for the next year's hosting. Um, And also, it's just great to have a a number of comments as well. Um, Just appreciate the gesture more than anything. Glad you really enjoy it. And, uh, yeah, we'll just keep on doing what we're doing and hope to represent the, the opinions of ASC Bournemouth fans. If you do uh, want to sort of donate any coffees to us, it's, it's not actual coffee. The gold blend man won't be turning up. However, um, yeah, just go to afcbpodcast.com com slash coffee i forgot the link afcbpodcast.com slash coffee and uh, you can send us a few coffees um and yeah we would we would really appreciate it but thanks ever so much and we're going to be uh, name dropping we're going to be giving shout outs to every single person uh, that donated later on so your name will be up in audible lights whatever that is so at the weekend then i did get some raw match audio obviously it's not pretty so we'll be playing that out, plus some of your fans' thoughts too. Chris Mappham, probably the nearest we've been this half. Good effort. after Ashley Barnes went down like a sack of spuds. Wet spuds as well. Would you believe it? Burnley have just scored. I was just thinking to myself, last few minutes, this is where they'll do what they do. And they've got to have done it. Cross from the right hand side, easy header into the corner of the net. Bournemouth look like they're going to be losing this 1 1 0. VAR checking progress, possible handball. <laughs> this is a goal. Yeah, goal. So now we know. So, uh, both deal, Burnley won. Ben, how did you feel after that game? Absolutely dreadful. <laughs> and what do you think went wrong for Bournemouth yesterday? Do you think Burnley outplayed us or do you think we were tactically naive or was it a mixture of both? I think it's just against teams that play very deep. We just can't break them down and we really struggle. And I just don't think we have that fire to really go for it. Um, yeah. Do you think four five one was the best formation that Eddie should be playing? He did that against Chelsea to some effect, but then Burnley, not exactly the offensive team that Chelsea are, yet he played the same formation. Yeah, well, I think <clears throat> because Burnley are so deep, we need to have more help with Josh King, and he needs more support. So maybe playing that four four two, stuff like that. You know, maybe a four three three. So he's got help higher higher up the pitch. It will, it will be better against teams that play so deep and defensive. Hi, Ashley here from the main stand. Uh, 
Well, that was kind of interesting yesterday, uh, probably for all the wrong reasons. Um, I know we didn't create anything. It just goes back to the same old problem we have where we just move the ball too slowly, particularly when we turn over possession. We just have this obsession with getting everyone in their place. And while we're doing that, the opposition just get reorganised and it's driving me absolutely mad. But I've said that countless times before and um, yesterday it caused us problems, I thought. The back four played very well in a very difficult game. Um, I thought Mepham in particular showed some real uh, bottle against two players who effectively, I thought, just tried to bully and intimidate him all afternoon. Jeff was incredible as usual. Um, I really hope we hold on to him next summer. And to me, he sets the benchmark for, for all the other players around him. Lewis Cook, I thought, started poorly and got worse. Um, I actually thought you could see his confidence ebbing away through the first half. I and mean, it wasn't any great surprise when he came off. Fair play to Callum uh, and Eddie for making the change. I thought he made a difference to us when he came on uh, and he started to stretch them, particularly along the channels, and it was good to see him um, get some of his touch back and a little bit more of his aggression. This is Simon uh, calling in from California. I'm in the car. Um, I watched the game uh, home this morning, 7am California time, and just feel totally mugged. Um, it wasn't a great game of football. I mean, the conditions were, were terrible. Uh, reminded me I was the mascot on Luther Blissett's home debut against Hull City when it was similar kind of weather. Uh, so it reminded me of that day. Um, but, you know, it wasn't a great game. I thought we were all right. Um, I thought second half we were pretty good. You know, Eddie changed the shape and um, Wilson came on and then he put, looked like he pushed Stacey up really, really far on the right-hand side. So we kind of had that overload all the time. Burnley, you know, came came uh, to the Vitality and played, I think, like we probably expected them to play, which was really physical, messy, made the game very difficult and choppy for us. Um, and to be fair to them, it worked. They were relying on maybe they would get a couple of chances or a set piece, and the goal that they got at the end was, was one of them. Um, it's the sort of goal you'd expect Burnley to score. So... Um, just mugged, you know. I thought a point and nil nil would have been would have been all right. Um, uh, we did okay. We weren't quite at our best, um, but you know, the, I guess that's the, these are the kind of games we need to be getting points in, and, and we keep getting turned over right at the end. If we go through the team, um, I thought Rambo was really good. There was basically a catch in the first half. He did swirling ball grabbed it under pressure got a big bump for his troubles and still held on to the ball Stacey's probably his best game for us you know on the right um Frano and Mepham did did all right um Rico was really good again in the middle Lerma is just you know continues to be magnificent um I thought the formation didn't work quite as well as it did against Chelsea so the change half time was welcome Josh King looked much better in the second half. I thought Callum did all right when he came on, but again, he hasn't really had a chance all season to score. Um, but, you know, I guess on to, on to Arsenal, um, it looks like we'll be missing Rico because he picked up another booking. But, yeah, overall, not a great game. Pretty gutted that they basically mugged us right at the end. Um, but fingers crossed for uh, next week. Uh, I don't normally talk about the other side, but I haven't seen many more cynical sides than Burnley. I genuinely couldn't watch that nonsense every week. Persistent professional fouling, th I think, needs to be dealt with in some way. And linked to that, I thought Atkinson's refereeing performance was dreadful. 
he barely had control of the game. Uh, he made numerous mistakes, actually, for both sides. Also, uh, Daishi's behaviour on the touchline was pretty abysmal, uh, and I thought it mirrored the spitefulness of his team. I'm not sure why the fourth official didn't get to grips with him, or at least get the referee to deal with him and his coaching team. I don't mind watching different styles of football, uh, but I thought yesterday it wasn't about outthinking or outplaying the opposition, it was about systematic cheating to beat the other team. Not sure the result was particularly indicative of anything. We know our creativity has been missing for, for ages and they just parked the bus and played long balls as we know they would. What I would say is at least the fight appears to have come back into the players. And do you know what? They can have the three points. Uh, let's move on. There was enough in that second half performance and the win at Chelsea last week to make me feel a little bit more optimistic. I certainly feel better about it all compared to a couple of weeks ago. Anyway, the players should have a nice Christmas. Uh, spend a couple of hours doing some shooting practice. Eddie should tell them they're allowed to take a shot every now and again and let's get at least a point out of Arsenal, who incidentally we're playing at the wrong time. Happy Christmas. Thanks very much. And there we go. Those were the fans' thoughts. The comments there from Ben Phillips. Also, Ashley, as ever, thank you for your contribution. And Simon Hill from California too. You can watch that video on our YouTube channel at youtube.com slash AFCB podcast. So a lot of frustration, a few disgruntled comments there. And as I said, uh, Michael Dunn is with me. Michael, how are you? I'm all right, Sam, but as you can imagine, I'm disappointed frustrated and my weekend would have been better if we'd have actually managed to win at home yesterday but no we instead we conceded a late equaliser to send us all into Christmas just feeling a little bit fed up yeah that's right it's uh it's it's a real shame and many of us sort of expect these kind of things to happen but I honestly thought after Chelsea we we may have turned a corner but um alas we did what Bournemouth do and it was a very poor performance uh we started with 4-5-1 the same team that started at Chelsea was that was that warranted um it was what I expected because that's what Eddie tends to do he tends to reward the players after a victory with their place in the team, unless they're injured. And yeah, it was what I expected to see, but I think I probably would have rather have seen Callum Wilson start, knowing that he was fit. Um, I did read a rumour somewhere that he was not injured, that Eddie had taken him out of the team for some reason. I'm not sure how much truth there was in that, because we're not exactly blessed with uh, riches, certainly in terms of depth in the striking department. But I probably would have started him yesterday, but... You know, it was no surprise to me when Eddie went with the went with the same team as at Chelsea. Mm. And Burnley are always a very difficult team to break down, and we've not had much success against them in the Premier League. I think we've won once at home and then once away, but even that was through a sort of last minute defensive mistake that I think Defoe and Callum Wilson capitalised on to send us home winning two one. But other than that, I'd say they are probably our bogey side in the Premier League. And what were your thoughts uh, before the game? Were you full of confidence after that Chelsea win? Uh, no, I wasn't, unfortunately. Ooh. Because, as you said, this is kind of what we tend to do. We get a big result, and then against the lesser teams, uh, the teams that we should be maybe doing better against week in, week out when we play them in the Premier League, we seem to slip up and not perform at the same level. And I think also... 
and this is the same for every team, um, if we'd have played Burnley midweek, like last Wednesday or Tuesday or whatever, I think we probably would have won. But by the time the, mm. the game on Saturday comes around, the momentum from the victory at Stamford Bridge has, has faded somewhat. And yeah, then of course, you know what you're going to get with Burnley. And despite them being criticised, that's the way it is. And, and you have to go toe-to-toe with them. And you know everything I thought favoured them in terms of even the conditions, that's Sean Dyche must have been licking his lips when he looked at the weather <laughs> forecast and thought it's going to be a really filthy day out there and we, we yeah. can come and play exactly the way we want. It's going to be really difficult for Bournemouth to handle it. And, well, overall we handled it quite well, but ultimately we didn't do enough ourselves and ended up getting the kick in the teeth right at the end. Yeah, it was a very bitty first half, wasn't it? And uh, unfortunately, uh, during this match, I was uh, sat at a very low position. For, I was in row B, which I cannot stand. I like to be sort of row H or above, because at least you get some kind of perspective. Because when you're low down, it's just players crisscrossing each other and you don't really get to see what goes on. But to me, it seemed really bitty. And apart from Lerma's shot from distance that sailed over the bar I think it almost hit the hoardings we we didn't really have anything to crow about but there were a lot of calls from the Bournemouth fans boring boring Burnley a lot of fouls being conceded and then early on um, there was a, a bit of an incident with Simon Francis what was your take on that? When I first saw it I thought that Fran had put his head in mm. closer to his Barnes wasn't it Barnes's foot than yeah, that's right. um, the other way round when I saw it, you know, live. And I kind of agree with what the referee did. When I saw it later that evening, I thought it was at least a yellow card. Um, yeah. the, the crowd got on the ref's back a lot yesterday. And I thought it wasn't really justified. I don't really like it when the, our fans get on the ref's back because I always think it's going to backfire. I think some referees will think to themselves, mm-hmm. right, well, I'll show you. Do you know what I mean? And they and and they'll start to give mm. the little decisions against us, and maybe not give us what we think we should get. And watching the players, our players on the pitch, there was a number of instances where the fans were up in arms and all the usual stuff about all oh, we want is a decent referee. Even when he gave the yellow card, they were saying it took you long enough. Um, yeah. The our players, for the majority of those decisions, had no complaints. They just sort of shrugged and thought, "Well, the referee's got it right there." And so I was probably in a minority, but I didn't think it was Martin Atkinson, wasn't it? I didn't think he had that bad a game. Yeah, that's right. And I'm always a bit um, concerned when um, the referee becomes the target of the fans' frustrations, whereas really we need to look at ourselves and what we're doing on the pitch as opposed to blaming some other, you know, factor. And yeah, I did find that a little bit, a little bit annoying yesterday. And I just thought, well, we're, we're clutching at straws, really. And um, yeah, but going back to the incident with Simon Francis, that was a yellow card. I mean, he got that one wrong. He, he saw yeah. it once like I did. I mean, obviously he has the, um, the benefit of VAR. I guess they must have said to him, you know, whether it was, it was a yellow or not, but looking at it in the evening, I thought, well, it's the basically, you know, whether he meant mm. to do it or not, he's, he's kicked him in the head and that's normally a yellow card these days, isn't it? Yeah, that's right. And uh, it was one of those that, that didn't, as you say, looked um, not too bad at the time. But when you watch it back, it, it looks incredibly worse. And there and there seemed to be a number of instances throughout that first half where 
you know, the Bournemouth fans were, you know, berating the referee uh, and there were, you know, anti-football, uh, hate Sean Dyche. Twitter bingo was out in force after the game. Uh, we should be beating teams like Burnley. I'm glad I don't have to watch that every week. In fact, they've got their own bingo scorecard that they were posting on Twitter a number of times. <laughs> and I think I think Bournemouth probably got a full house yesterday. Um, what's, what's your take on uh, Sean Dyche and Burnley? Because they kind of remind, remind me of a Stoke City of the Premier League, but maybe with a bit more dynamism because they seem to pull results out of the bag sort of week in, week out. And, you know, they're, a, they're never a team that you would ever think would be in trouble in terms of relegation, are they? No, it's not pretty the way they play, but that's the way it is. You have to learn to win against mm. different types of teams, against different styles of football. Complaining about, you know, how do you watch this every week? You're an embarrassment mm. and all this kind of thing. I mean, I was cringing when our fans were singing out. I thought, this is going to come back to bite us, you know, yeah. at some point in this game. And so it did. And they were singing it back to us at the end. They didn't have that many fans there yesterday, but those were there. Mm. Obviously went home very happy, laughing their heads off. Um, and that's the way Dyche plays. And it's, it's been successful. He's kept them in the Premier League. He's got them into Europe. And we can't really have any complaints about any of that, about their style of football. And particularly um, post-game. The only, the only time you should be, in my opinion, um giving it to the opposition about their style of football and all that kind of thing and calling them boring is when you're 3-0 up. Not when you're, not yeah. when it's nil-nil in a tight game that could easily go either way. And we're prone to shooting ourselves in the foot in those situations. So, yeah, I'm glad I don't have yeah. to watch Burnley every week. But at yeah. the moment, I'm, I'm sort of watching us through my fingers the way it's going. Mm. I mean, it, it, does it concern you the way that we really struggle to break down teams with this low block? I mean, uh, for instance, case in point, Sheffield United at home, Norwich at home, Newcastle away once they went 2-1 up, Watford. We really struggle when teams are so well drilled, uh, you know, defensively. We just cannot break them down. And I, I, I'm not even sure I know what the solution is. Yeah, it does worry me. Um, <clears throat> we're not creating anything in the penalty area. Yesterday, mm. we did okay in the second half but in terms of chances we didn't have any shots on target uh the final ball was always either going astray or we were making the wrong decision or we were just sort of hitting and hoping and even when we did have a couple of chances to pull the trigger for some reason we decided not to do it and we're just that that is i think the main reason that we lost yesterday, all that other stuff about Burnley and the weather and the referee is just, you know, just they're just excuses. And I, I know Eddie Howe knows this because he, he alluded to it in his interview at the end about how we were, and this is exactly what I was thinking during the game, uh, we were playing too many negative passes backwards, sideways, too much dilly-dally, not enough offensive work going forwards. And even when we did pass the ball forwards, I noticed a few times... Uh, when the ball was being played out wide to Fraser, for example, it was, it was the ball was going in behind him, not in front of him, where he could run onto it. And the momentum was constantly breaking down. And that has been a real issue for us recently. And if we're not doing that properly and we're not getting after teams that are looking to just, you know, block us and maybe hang on for a point or nick a goal, then, you know, it was shown now for the past, what is it, six or seven games, that doesn't work mm. and we need to try something else. And hopefully at those words that Eddie said to us, we're ringing in the ears of the players in the next couple of games yeah. because we need to really go for it a bit more. We seem to have been, I don't know, is it confidence in the team because of the defeats? Is it to do with the personnel changing and not enough leadership in the team? But we just look like we're just almost too timid at the moment and it isn't working, is it? 
No, it's not. Now, um, Lewis Cook came off in the first half and, uh, yeah, he made he made changes um, on half-time. But what were your thoughts on Lewis Cook? Well, I mean, obviously, starting on the right-hand side, did very well at Chelsea, although it looked a difficult game for him yesterday. Yeah, I mean, it's not his position, so I think that needs to be taken into consideration first. He's playing out of position. Um, he didn't have a great game yesterday. He, he was the one that was sacrificed. He could have He could have sacrificed other midfielders. I mean, even Fraser, for example, could have gone off. Yeah. I guess he wanted to come on because he was the only out-and-out winger he actually had on the pitch. Any of them probably could have pulled, apart from Lerma, who was excellent mm. again. Um, so, And then he went with Wilson up front. But even then, we, we pretty much kept the same formation. King went out wide, didn't he? And Fraser was was out yeah. wide as well. And, and I would have preferred to have seen King and Wilson up front together because that was yeah. probably another factor in the um the balls into the box going nowhere is we didn't have enough men in there sometimes you know they weren't no, that's right like the the two of them weren't in there together one of them was actually probably playing the ball in as opposed to being on the end of it um so yeah not the greatest game for Lewis Cook but he's you know he's a central midfielder so you play him out wide in one game it works well but it's not going to work game game after game and hopefully we'll see. Um, well, Harry Wilson back in the team soon because at least he's got goals despite there's been some question marks over his performances. But also Junior yeah. Stanislas, I would have liked to have seen him come on yesterday. Uh, he's back in back in the squad and I was surprised Eddie didn't bring him on at any point. Yeah, that's right. And it's, uh, I mean, after the game, obviously, I didn't realise at the time, but, you know, Rico's booking now puts him out of the next game as well. So, I mean, we're not only sort of injury uh, prone and having so many players out, we've also got this yellow card as well to deal with. So we're kind of thinking, who's going to play left back? And all our left backs at the moment, even Adam Smith, who's the deputy left back, not available. So thinking, okay, like Ryan Fraser wing back. Oh, what, what on earth are we going to do against Arsenal? Well, have we still got Brad Smith on the books? Is he going to put in a surprise appearance? <laughs> yeah. <there's> been... <laughs> we might have to fly him over. I, I, I really don't know. <laughs> yeah, there's, I mean, Kelly's injured, isn't he? Obviously, Charlie Daniels is out for the season. Um, like you said, Adam Smith. So Brad Smith's the only one I can think of, but I don't know really know what the situation is there. I'm pretty sure... He's still our player, isn't he? You've been over in Seattle and he's done well mm. over there. It's a completely different league, though. But um, I'd be surprised if we saw him mm. against Arsenal if he yeah. like, suddenly emerged from the US and pulled on the on the shirt. But, yeah, he's either going to play a different formation or someone's going to come back unexpectedly, like Kelly or even Adam mm. Smith. Um, but, yeah, it just, it just goes on. We have an injury crisis and then, you know, we've got... Barely, I mean, I think if, apart, unless your name's Jordan Ibe, at the moment, if mm. you've got a pulse and you can walk, you're in that squad. <laughs> yeah. Every I, single uh, game. I might bring my boots next week. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> exactly. I've been uh, waiting for the call, yeah. Yeah, I I think sort of you know we don't usually play well with five at the back, but then you know that enables us to have wing backs. I mean Ryan Fraser has played you know left back or or, or right now I think left back before in a four, but I mean it's. It's crazy that we're having to resort to these kind of tactics by having him back there. But, you know, sometimes that's that is all we can do um, in terms of Burnley, though. They yeah, they did nullify all our threats. And I think, you know, whilst we were poor, credit must maybe go to them for nullifying sort of most of our attacks. And yeah, 
it wasn't pretty at times. It was brutal. There probably should have been more yellow cards than what there were. I think that, uh, you know, Bournemouth have now just won two of their last 11 under Martin Atkinson. Um, not that that really means anything, but uh, Burnley and Atkinson, apparently, according to you, Ref, um, they're a match made in heaven. Um, Burnley have just lost one of their la- uh, one of their last 17 Premier League matches under him. Uh, the record, not so great for us. But, you know, Burnley's style was, um, yeah, very physical. Would you honestly not like Bournemouth to be like that? I mean, if we were getting the points in the bag, would you... Would you still say you'd rather see the style that we've got at the moment rather than what they're seeing? At the moment, I think any style would I'd be happy with because of we're mm. you know the last the last six out of the last seven games or whatever it is, um, we've scored six goals in the last eleven games. So a change of style wouldn't I wouldn't object to that. But I, I don't think Eddie is going to do that. Um, he's no. very he's always been very true to his beliefs and he's always said. This is the way we play. This is what we've trained to play. This is, you know, our philosophy, and we can't just change it at the drop of a hat. Um, so, I probably wouldn't care how we won a game at the moment if we could actually win one. I mean, obviously we beat Chelsea, but a home game, for example, um, nobody really. I don't even think the Burnley fans probably want to watch that kind of football every week. But mm. they've got, I don't know, what is it, twenty-two points or something? They're, you know, they're, they're in the top half of the table. I think and, they're, yeah, yeah, and twenty-four. So. You know, significantly more than us. They're, they're much safer than we are, and the the fans must must be absolutely delighted. I think um, another telling statistic, whilst we're on those, is that yeah. Burnley have won three away games this calendar year, and two of them have been against us, which I think yeah. tells its own tale. We're not, you know, we're just not putting in enough decent performances at home, and we haven't done for quite a long time. Towards the back end of last mm. season, we lost a few home games. Fulham is one that sticks out. Burnley was one yeah, of those right. as well. And this year, was it three out of eight or something? And it's it's, it's just yeah. not good enough. No, it's not. And it always seems to be, uh, I don't know, I, I think... Are we expecting too much? Because we are 14th in the best league in the world, supposedly. Um, you know, are we expecting too much? I'm not sure we are, because I think... <laughs> It's a, you know, like it's a real sort of difficult one. But when you look at it at the start of the season, on paper, we had a a really strong squad. And we know that our squad is just not performing to the levels that it has done before, have they? No. Um, In terms of expecting too much, it is definitely a dream still for us to be in the Premier League. And that's a kind of a bigger picture view. Saying, well, look, look where we are. We're we're definitely punching above our weight, and we have been for yeah. you know years now. But if you think, if you think, I'm sure Eddie doesn't encourage this in the dressing room. That kind of mm. line of thinking just will lead you straight to relegation because it's yeah. just like, well, look at what we've achieved. We've we've, we've overachieved, and we can rest on our laurels because even if we go down, we're not really going to be criticised because, look, you know, we've, we've made we've made huge strides and made history and, you know, we've got very much a claim to be, you know, Bournemouth's greatest ever team. Um, mm. Obviously, that that is not the way to think. You've got to think game to game, <clears throat> excuse me, season to season and, and eke those points out. I'd rather we were, you know, flying up there with Sheffield United, but the reality is we're not yeah. and, and try and stay in the league. It isn't that much fun having to uh, just cobble the points together and crawl across the line. And at the start of every season, this one was a good example of that. It was 
um, there was quite a lot of optimism. I remember when the transfer window yeah, shut, I've right. done a lot of good business, and you know, I was thinking, well, hopefully we will have a season where we're pretty much in and around the top half, and maybe a little flirtation with finishing the European place or you know doing well in a cup. Uh, but it just hasn't happened. I mean, there's no denying the impact of the injuries. That's been massive. And even yeah. the players we haven't seen, like David Brooks, is, you know, he feels like a, a massive miss as well. And that could mm. that could really kill us, uh, the players that are missing going into the new year, depending on how things go in the next few games. But mm. we've got to, and I, you know, Eddie said this in the interviews, we've got to just face up to the fact that we're in a relegation battle and nobody wants to go down. I mean, the championship was fun. It was brilliant. But, mm. you know, you see teams go down and then they go down again. And I think if we were to do that, we wouldn't recover because this is basically a once-in-a-lifetime thing for us and there'd be a fire sale of players and any talk of a new stadium and even the training ground might not get built. So we've just got to... I remember Steve Cook saying a couple of seasons ago that we've got to just engage in this fight to the death and make sure that we somehow stay up. And at the moment, it's looking a bit touch yeah. and go. But yeah, 14th isn't isn't 18th. You know, if you stay above that line on the last day of the season, then you then you're safe and you can start again. It's not going to be any fun necessarily, but um, hopefully, we'll somehow manage to hold onto our Premier League status. Yeah, have you have you ever been one to doubt Eddie or doubt the coaching staff that are doing all their you know work behind the scenes, or have you always stuck firm in supporting him? No, I'm, I'm, he, he can't do. Well, I'm, I'm say he can't do any wrong in my eyes. He, he can do almost no yeah. wrong in my eyes. Um, so I just don't think that there's anybody else for the job. And I think he's the, the kind of the, the keystone in our success. And once he goes, one way or another, we will sooner or later drop like a stone, and we're not going to find anybody like him again. Um, I mean, certainly not for a long, long time. Sorry, in terms of Eddie Howe, though, you're kind of looking at the teams he could jump to. And there's teams like West Ham being linked to Rafael Benitez, albeit he's turned it down. Everton, of course, Carlo Ancelotti. They're you know they're looking for big name managers. So you mm. think, what club could he feasibly go to next? Given they don't seem to be interested. No, I think the most likely exit for him is um, when he's given his cards. Um, I don't see that happening anytime soon. Wow. And even yeah. if we get relegated I'd rather he stayed as manager and he seems to have a very good relationship with the owner and with um, Jeff Mostyn um, there's also obviously the England job which could come up but football tends to be quite a sh- you know people look at things quite short term um, so you win a few games and you're the greatest thing ever and you know big clubs have suddenly been linked with you you lose a few games and uh, you're useless and you know you'd be lucky to, to, to have a job in a month's time so at the moment, his star mm. is not in the ascendancy. Um, and yeah, those clubs like you mentioned, West Ham and, and Everton, they just can't appoint a manager like Eddie Howe. The fans won't have it. Mm. He's not a big enough name. He hasn't got any European experience. And compare themselves then to the other clubs of similar size or even bigger. They've all got big star name managers, haven't they? And, and Eddie just isn't yeah. in that category. And that's fine with me because the longer he stays, the better. But... Um, yeah, things aren't going well at the moment, but I'd, I'd definitely stick with him no matter what. Yeah, um, I'm very much the same, I think. So, I mean, what do we do next then? Because obviously 
We're playing Arsenal. I think part of me thinks that we, you know, we do do better against teams that come out and attack. Um, and maybe you know, Arsenal could be just the tonic. But typically, though, they would have to appoint their manager when they did. I mean, I know they got a nil-nil um, against Everton. However, Arteta was in the stands for that, so this is his first proper match in charge. And it was a shame. I just wanted them to hang on for like another week or so. And you're just thinking, right, then with their new managerial bounce, it's not going to be the uh, kind of Boxing Day Cherries extravaganza that I hoped. I think it's going to be a a very difficult game for us. It was always going to be hard anyway. However, I now think with the new manager, it's going to be even tougher. Yeah, I felt exactly the same. I was really hoping that they wouldn't appoint anybody until after they played us. And all week, looking at the the news you know the sports news and you could just see it was getting closer and closer and they you know I just guaranteed they were going to appoint him before before the game at Dean Court and it's just so difficult playing against the team with the new manager because you don't know anything about how they're going to approach the game you don't know what team they're going to pick you've got no idea what the tactics are going to be and obviously the players suddenly were going to find some extra motivation because the new guy's in and they want to impress, they want to keep their place in the team and all that new manager bounce thing. So, yeah, that could really hurt us, I think, uh, come Boxing Day. I mean, you never know. We could spring a surprise and get a result. Even a draw would take us on to 20 points, which would be pretty much par because it's the halfway point. It's the 19th game, isn't it? Um, So, I think it's going to be a really difficult game. I think there's a good chance that we will lose mainly because of what we talked about regarding Arteta. Um, yeah. I mean, there's players there like Pepe. How much did they sign in for? It was 70 plus million, Scary. wasn't it? And he's not yeah. performed at all. But he might suddenly look like the player he was meant to be under new manager, even if it's only for a few weeks, like um, Pogba did at Man United when they appointed Solskjaer. He suddenly started looking like a good player for a few weeks, didn't he? And yeah, that's that, right. obviously we could be the first victims of that. So... Hopefully none of that will happen. I mean, in terms of what Eddie's going to do, I guess he just has to go with what he's got. He hasn't got a lot of fit players. There may be one or two coming back. I'd imagine he'd keep that quiet for the time being. We'll only find out on the day. Hopefully he'll play King and Wilson up front if they're both fit together. And we'll just have to dig in and remember what happened against Burnley and see if we can pull something out. We do tend to, I suppose, like a lot of teams, raise our game against bigger name teams. Arsenal aren't what they were. We did the same against United. They're not what they were either. But then, of course, we beat Chelsea. Um, I did hear a theory that uh, the reason that the smaller teams do that is because the players see it as a bit of a shot window. They know that more people will be watching. There's a possibility of getting a move to a bigger club if they play well in those games. I mean, that doesn't really matter what their motivation is as long as they, no, as long right. as they find it from somewhere. But... Yeah, unfortunately, I'm not feeling optimistic about that one. But, you know, I wasn't feeling optimistic when we went to Stamford Bridge, so who knows? No, that's it. That's it. Well, I mean, obviously, they scored late on. Jay Rodriguez, he seems to be, um, you know, our nemesis at the Vitality, either scoring for Sampton or, if not, for Burnley. And they hung up a cross, headed it in, and I could see it. I could see it coming. And, yeah, 1-0. I... It, it it was absolutely typical and it was a very it was a very drab day. But one of the brighter parts of the day came via the PA uh, after about five minutes or so um, with Mike Botto announcing the incident involving the BMW, whatever reg plate it was. Michael, have you ever turned up to a game and been so excited to get to the ground that you just left the car with its lights on and engine running? <laughs> <laughs> We're digging for some for some bright moments now. I'd forgotten about that. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, 
I haven't. I don't normally drive to the games, but um, yeah, I'm, I'm always excited when I go to football. I love going, but mm. no, that was um, I don't know what happened. I, I said to my to my my dad who came with me. I said that that was probably Jordan Ives' car. <laughs> yeah quite possibly yeah you never know but that yeah it, you know that was one of the brighter moments and yeah the conditions weren't particularly great and uh now the cherries uh are sitting on 19 points and uh we're we're recording this on Sunday, obviously, and you know, new manager bounce. Well, I know that he was in charge last week, but Watford today got a result over Man United two 0 What did you think of that? Oh, my heart sank when I saw that. I just hoped United, yeah, I hoped United would win because you want the teams below us to always lose, don't you? And mm. so they've only got twelve points now, but like you said, they've got a new manager as well. So if they pick up a few results and suddenly the gap starts to close, they hadn't won at home all season. And they, I mean, yeah. United aren't, I mean, we beat them, but it's just, it's just disappointing that <laughs> another mm. weekend of, uh, of depressing results. Southampton winning three nil away at Aston Villa, although it puts Aston Villa further in the mile order rather, yeah. rather they beat, beat Southampton. And uh, yeah, so we just have to, Wait until until Boxing Day, and hopefully things will seem a bit brighter. They're, they're winner. Going back to that, yeah. Um, we, def- I mean, both teams defended quite well yesterday. That was something that yeah, you know, we should, did. I guess, praise because they were difficult conditions. I, mean, I always think mm. being a goalkeeper must be a nightmare. Although Pope literally had nothing to do, uh, Rambo. Had yeah, a well, bit every, to do. I mean, every cross seemed to go straight into his arms. Mm, yeah, that was a frustration. Actually, every time we had a corner, we had about. Four corners in a row at one point in the second half. Yeah. And they were just all either straight to Pope or cleared away. We never got to one of them. And I guess that um, just highlights the absence of the likes of Cook and Ake. And we had a few free yeah. kicks that we knocked in from sort of out wide as well. And exactly the same thing happened over and over again, didn't it? And um, yeah, yeah right. so that was that was annoying. I mean, Rico's delivery is normally quite good, but you always seem to just hit it straight to Pope. or hit, You seem to hit a few of them too deep, which I guess could have been connected to the wind. Um, but yeah, the goal... France's, and I think it may have been Stacey, they didn't really seem to get off the ground and, and get no, up right. and challenge Rodriguez. And then he didn't even make a proper connection. It sort of seemed to hit his, the side of his neck and his shoulder at the same time and, and went past. I mean, Ramsdale had no chance with that. It was right in the corner. No. Um, then there was a brief delay for VAR, and I was down the mm. other end. I think you were as well, and just couldn't yeah. see what happened. I was hoping they were going to rule it out, although I was, yeah. wasn't, I didn't have a great deal of hope. And Oh, yeah. So I was thinking probably just prior to that, well, a point's a point and, you know, it's not great. We haven't scored, but difficult day and we'll take it and puts us on to 20, like I said earlier, but we didn't even get that. Mm. And I wasn't actually that surprised when they scored. Frustrated, yeah, and I've been fed up about it since, but it just, mm. if you go if you go nil-nil deep into a game, there's always a chance one team's going to nick a goal. And the way things have been going for us recently, it's it's going to be the opposition. And, and, and so it proved, and it just takes all the gloss off the Chelsea game. We didn't back it up. And I guess we've just got to dig deep and, and find some, some optimism from somewhere and, and go again on Thursday. Yeah, so, I mean, assuming that Rico is uh, not suspended, um, when Steve Cook comes back, who makes way? Uh, let's assume that Nathan Ake is going to be out for quite a while. Um, obviously, we've got uh, Stacey... Uh, Frano, Mepham and Rico. Who gets displaced? Yeah, it's getting complicated now, isn't it? Because mm. I think it probably would be Mepham. Um, he hasn't played that badly. I mean, obviously he did well against Chelsea. He did okay yesterday. I mean, yeah. like I said, all the defenders did all right, really. 
Um, yeah. But he'd probably be most likely to go. He's not going to drop Francis. Eddie absolutely loves him. And I think part, yeah, partly right. for, his, for, for, for his leadership as much as anything. Um, yeah. And so, I mean, Frano could go out to right back and Stacey could drop out, but he's played well as well. So whoever goes, I guess it will be a little bit unfair on them. But I suppose we'll have to just wait and see what happens with... The formation yeah. and the defence that he plays against Arsenal in the absence of Rico, and um, and then that will have an impact on whoever plays in the Brighton game. The thing about Cook is, I don't know if you saw, he yeah. was interviewed on Football Focus yesterday, and I was looking. I, I spent the entire interview looking at his hands and see that I couldn't mm. see any plaster cast or anything like that. <laughs> nothing to indicate there was anything wrong with his wrist, and and I thought, oh, maybe he's going to be playing. And then at the end of the interview that. The interviewer said, so, you know, Steve's going to be watching along with all the other ball fans. And I thought, oh, he's not playing. But I, mm. it's an odd injury, isn't it? That he's, he's out with a wrist injury. He doesn't even seem to be strapped up. No, he doesn't. And he, he seemed to have a lot of wrist movement uh, on an Instagram video that he posted. He sort of uh, posted his, I think it's his left hand, is it maybe? Sort of, you know, clenching and unclenching. And it seems to be all right. But you think, you know, surely with a bit of pain relief and maybe the strapping, he, he might be back for Boxing Day. And, you know, that's my hope. And if that does happen, yeah, I'm just I'm just wondering what does happen. I'm not sure the Franny's got the legs to play right back. So it just depends who's going to get dropped out of uh, Francis or Mepham. But then, obviously, you know, we are very uh, well. We haven't got a left back, so maybe he'll go five at the back. I, I don't know, and try to try to sort of um, absorb Arsenal's attacking prowess. Uh, I've got no idea. I've seen a few team formations already, but obviously we don't really know uh, what's going to happen. I'm not even sure when Eddie does his press conference because obviously it's usually the day before. So, but I'm sure hopefully he's going to have Christmas Day off, or or maybe not. Who knows. Um, but it's it's going to be a very difficult one. We'll we'll go on to sort of preview it shortly. Um, let's assume Bournemouth are going to be all right this season. Let's assume Bournemouth are safe. Um, at this point in time, who are the three clubs that you think are destined for relegation? Or can we not? I mean, can you name a handful of teams that you think are going to be in the mire? Well, Watford, obviously, mm. although big win for them today new manager. He managed to keep uh, Leicester up that time, the season before they won the league, and they were really mm. in, like, almost down, weren't they? And they won five games in a row or something, so he's got a bit of a bit of pedigree in those situations. Norwich mm. seem to be really yeah, struggling. Yeah, I think Norwich will be there. Yeah. Um, and I don't... Well, Southampton, I don't think they'll go down. I kind of think they're immune to relegation. Mm. They haven't been down before, obviously, but I don't think mm. they will. And in a way, I want them to stay up. I want them to finish 18th or, no, sorry, um, yeah. 17th on 17th, goal difference. Yeah. Yeah, because um, I like playing them. It's like fun going to yeah. play them up there and when they come here. Oh, it is, here. yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, so, Villa, I think, is possible. Um, yeah. Us, hopefully not. As you said, we're going to well, put that one yeah, to one side. Um, I don't know, maybe somebody could fall from mid-table, but it's hard to really say at the moment. I think, yeah, those three are in the relegation zone that I said at the moment. I think yeah, that's right. they're, they're the most likely. They're not really putting anything together I mean Villa keep losing I mean that was a big game yesterday Villa Southampton and Southampton ca- yeah. easily came out on top didn't they and so yeah, yeah, that's I, right. think, yeah I think Norwich almost definitely Watford if they hadn't won today I'd have said definitely for them as well so we'll just wait and see what happens in the next few games and Villa yeah. hmm, I think I think they've got a very good chance of, of getting relegated 
Yeah, it's like, you part of me just can't see Watford going down, but time will tell, of course, and hopefully Bournemouth can improve their chances with uh, three points on Boxing Day. It's not looking likely, but who knows? We'll preview that next. So yeah, as I said earlier, I just want to say thank you so much to everyone who has donated us uh, the price of a cup of coffee for, um, well, just as, as a as a gesture of support, really, for the podcast. But through it, I wasn't expecting much, but you've actually helped to pay for more than a year's hosting for the podcast. It all comes out of our own pocket. And uh, yeah, um, we're with a provider called Podiant um, for transparency, the screenshots on Twitter so you know how much we're paying. And yeah, your contributions have helped us to pay for a year's hosting and also a bit more. So thank you so much to everyone who's donated. And if you want to um, show your support for the podcast, you can do so by going to afcbpodcast.com slash coffee really appreciate it uh one people one person who perhaps doesn't appreciate what we do is uh i, I was on the afc ball with fans facebook group and uh uh, one of the one listener, uh, James, hello mate, um, pointed us to this message on this Facebook group from a guy called Steve saying, has anyone else watched that back of the net on YouTube? Started off quite good, but now a bit shit. Thoughts, anyone? <laughs> mate, do you think I get paid for this shit? Of course I don't, honestly. Um, but obviously... You know, you don't have to watch the videos, please. Oh, my goodness. But if you if you obviously want to improve it, I'm sure, Steve, that you'll be coming along to uh, see me after the game, after the Arsenal game at five o'clock and give your views. No. Anyway, uh, thank you so much uh, for your comments, Steve. Um, Any comments on the podcast? um, Always welcome, whether they are positive, uh, constructive or whatever. Let me know what, what features you think we could get rid of or things that we could do better or, you know, anything really. Just let us know. But gotta say thank you for the coffees from... Here we go. Mark A, Jane Smith, Guy, a.k.a. Tommy. Hello, mate. Uh, someone, that's an anonymous one. Steve Butler, Ross Devonport, Alex Deutsch, Robbie, uh, another anonymous. Ed Griffiths, Patrick Devitt, Jake Summers, Steve Hensman, AFCB Rob, Neil Whedon, Neil Dawson, Stephen FH, Dave Witt, Cara Cherry, uh, Stephen Clark, Kerry Phillips, Chris Root, Damien Scott, uh, another anonymous. Rob again, uh, Big Willie, hello. Uh, someone, uh, that's an anonymous one again. Stig, thank you, buddy. I didn't see that one actually. I will tweet you to say thank you. Uh, and also James Rood as well for uh, the recent contribution too. Really appreciate that, mate. And um, yeah everyone that's done so thank you so much we really appreciate it so boxing day it's arsenal Okay, so on Boxing Day, of course, as we've said, uh, it's Arsenal travelling to the Vitality Stadium. And um, just before we talk about the side, there, I don't know if you've seen, Michael, on uh, Twitter, there's been a bit of um, aggro with Arsenal Fan TV, with a lot of fans uh, saying they need to get out of their club because they believe it's toxic. They've got the same people criticising the club um, every week, so it seems. I mean, what's your take on the whole Fan TV thing? 
Um, I think it's overall a good thing. Uh, I know that it's a, it's a big uh, endeavour. I know just for you doing mm. the podcast when I used to do mine, it was uh, very time consuming. So to do the TV and keep yeah. churning out the content is uh, a, a real a real um, labour of love. Um, but I think they've got as much right mm. to air their opinions as anybody else. But I guess when you have one that's become so well known, I and mean, it's probably the best known mm. one, isn't it? The Arsenal fan TV one. Um, yeah, that's right. In yeah, this country, time. it starts to have a, a big influence on groups of fans and possibly even inside the club, even though they no doubt would deny it. Cause they, they stopped them using the name, didn't they? They have to be called AFC or whatever it is now. Yeah, like AFC TV. Yeah. yeah. Um, then they'll all, they'll, this kind of like sort of small time politics will, will creep into it. And, you know, there'll be those for and those against, and especially when things aren't going particularly well on the pitch. So uh, there's nothing they can do about about um, there's nothing the club can do and nothing the other fans can do about you know Arsenal fan TV or whoever wants to do their do their own YouTube or podcast or whatever. I guess apart from not not engage with it, what, any any engagement is 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 increased. And we're talking about them now. We're not even talking about the team. Mm. We're not talking about the game. We're just talking about the yeah about about the fan TV. So I guess you know they might become a target of some abuse outside the ground and stuff like that, which, which which could be a problem for them. But I think, you know, overall, I think it's, it's, it's a good thing. Fans get to have more of a voice and, well, social yeah. media is always a bit of a minefield, isn't it? So I, yeah, I, I know. That stuff. Yeah. I think, I think for me, it's, um, it's, it's, it's just a way for, for them providing people to, you know, voice their opinions, but also have accountable opinions as well. They're putting a face to a name, whereas with Twitter and Facebook, uh, well, you know, more so Twitter, you can have anonymous usernames, this kind of football Twitter brigade. They're saying you knee jerk opinions in order to just grab a few likes and, you know, put the fishing hook sort of emoji out, you know, whenever they've reeled in fans from the opposition that have fallen for their bait. I, I find it, um, I find it a bit crazy, these people that are associating Arsenal fan TV with all this kind of um, malarkey, because ultimately it's the football team that, you know, is where it starts. And all these fans, yes, some of them voice their negative views in ways that are maybe a little bit inappropriate. But I've seen when Arsenal are on a winning streak and they are so positive about it. So it's not like it is completely misplaced. And, you know, knowing Robbie Lyle, um, who actually uh, you know heads up Arsenal Fan TV, he would actually provide people with the voice, you know, to come on and argue why they think Arsenal Fan TV is so bad. Because he's, he's that kind of person. Um, and, uh, you know, unfortunately, a lot of these people are uh, Twitter trolls that wouldn't really sort of like to go on camera and I yeah I do feel as though it's a shame because the story sort of broke out over Twitter and it's kind of overshadowed um, a lot to do with Arsenal and it's, it's, it's kind of almost uh, so big Arsenal fan TV that um, the Arteta appointment is almost gone under the radar uh, it's it was sort of stretched out over a few days um but then it was finally announced but yeah as you say arsenal fan tv are one of the biggest you've got the united stand which is a man united one full-time devils the red men um the, you know the united stand I, i'm gonna have a look at a few videos later on and you know there's an element of schadenfreude where you just want to see 
their fans and see you know see them in agony because they've been so successful during the 90s and noughties and let's see what happens and that's and that's how Arsenal fan TV's got so big I think uh, you know obviously back of the net is small time and we uh, just chat to a few people some of the same faces we try to get some different people on each week but I think we'll we'll never be fans that have got opinions that are that controversial I don't think we've got the characters but also people always seem to remember well 10 years ago we were getting beat 5-0 by Morecambe you know bringing out those kind of lines um so you know I don't I don't think we'll ever have that and to be honest I, I you know I would never want to be in the realms of what Arsenal fan TV I'm 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 quite happy with just chatting to four or five people after the game and that is that but alas I just thought it was um it was worth a mention anyway but it's the football team we're playing not the fan TV channel on uh, Boxing Day and yeah, going to be an interesting one. And it's that Arteta factor that could be the deciding factor, couldn't it? Yeah, he's got a huge job on his hands. I mean, Wenger, yeah. Wenger's reign didn't end particularly well. He was no. kind of... The crowd had turned on him for a couple of seasons, really. Or a, a, you know, a section of the crowd, as they always say. It seemed like quite a large section turned on him for the, you know, the previous couple of seasons. Um, and... Emery obviously didn't work out. It's kind of similar to what's happened at Man United post Ferguson. I'd say this is probably the you know the second biggest job in the history of the Premier League, replacing we were essentially replacing Arsene Wenger. I mean, you're not really replacing Unai Emery. Mm. Um, and there's a, a lot for him to take on. He's 37. He's never had uh, a managerial role before. It could go could go well. You know, he could he could do really well, and he could be the talent that. Everybody seems to suggest he is as a coach, and they could they could turn it around, and they could be back up where they want to be. Um, on the other hand, mm. it looks quite daunting in terms of what he's got to do. Uh, the the squad has got some really talented players, some really good players, but it's also got like defence is regularly criticised for being not yeah, really up yeah. to it, and you know the results have kind of proved that. I think they haven't won many games since they beat us. There was a, a, a time when they hadn't won for weeks and weeks and you look who they had previously beaten and it was us. It's oh God, why are we always the team that's a victim of these things? Yeah, typically. And again, yeah, I know. I know. again, we're the victim of uh, of a new manager coming in as we discussed earlier. Um, and regardless of how it goes for Arteta, it tends to go well for, well, I mean, you know, it feels like it tends to go well for new managers at first in the first few games. Not always, but it feels like nine times out of ten there's a few positive results in the first few games. And you know, you, you, you look at Solskjaer, he started off fantastic at Man United yeah. and we were one of the victims of that as well. We, pl- we played him in like the second or third game he had. I think that was on Boxing right. Day. It was around that time, wasn't it? New Year. And um, and then it's gone totally south since then. After about the first three months, they just seem to have been rubbish since then, again, losing today as we discussed. Um, but yeah, I think Marteta's going to probably start well and we are going to be have our hands full trying to stop them on Saturday. I think if that on uh, on Boxing Day, I think if they had still had Ljungberg as the manager, yeah. then we could have hoped for something from the game. We still hope, obviously, but you know, I would have been more optimistic. I watched the, I didn't watch it all. I watched some of the game against Everton, and as they said on Match of the Day last night, I think Jermaine Gina said it's the worst game he'd ever seen in the history of the Premier League, which is saying wow, wow. something considering 
our game wow. was on before it in match today last night. Yeah, I know, uh, scary. And uh, and but they're not going to be like that. It's going to be completely different uh, when we play them on Thursday. And we have got our hands full, and we have got a depleted squad. We've had a long run of defeats, and anything we can get out of that game, I'll consider to be a bonus. You never know, but I think that no. it's going to be a real tough ask. Yeah, it would be it would be Bournemouth to go and beat Arsenal and then lose at Brighton on the twenty eighth. That's you know that's that is what we do. Would you would you rather start with two up front or would would you maybe put an extra man in the middle or at the back for this one? I'd rather start with two up front. I'd rather go four four two. And we may not be able yeah. to go four four two because Rico's suspended. He may go three at the back with the wing backs, as you said. Um, so, at preference and having the players available, I'd rather go four four two. Um, I'd rather see Stanislas start on one of the wings if there's no other wingers available. Uh, if Harry Wilson isn't fit, I'm assuming Ryan Fraser's okay. Even though he got a few kicks uh, and a whack to the back of the head against Burnley, um, but yeah, I think Stanislas has obviously not played for a while. He tends to be injury prone, but when he comes into team, he does often do quite well, and he's got goals as well. So yeah, that's right. I'd like to. Well, I mean, I don't know what Eddie's going to do, but he's got that option. So maybe, maybe he'll stick him in. Um, I think he'll. Well, he'll definitely stick with Lerma, um, mm. Billing, or Cook. I'm not sure. Billing's not looked the player he was earlier in the season recently. Although Cook, as we discussed, didn't play that well yesterday. Fraser will hold on to his place. I think probably in the absence of any other fit wingers. Um, yeah. And the back four or whatever it is is going to happen at the back. We'll have to wait and see. Yeah, no, that's right. So, I mean, I, I know you hate these, Michael, but you, like you know what's coming. Um, <laughs> I, I'm going to ask you for a, a very quick prediction on what you think the score's going to be. Okay, I'm not going to predict a defeat. I'm going to predict a draw, a one-all draw. Um, and I'm going to be more specific. I think Callum Wilson's going to score. If he hasn't scored for the last eight games he's played in, surely he's going to get one soon. And all yeah. of my doom and gloom in the previous half hour, whatever we've been talking, will be swept away with a little Boxing Day treat and maybe a late equaliser for us. Yeah, that that would be a lovely belated uh, Christmas present, wouldn't it? A draw. I would, I would certainly take that. Well, Michael, thank you very much for coming on the podcast. Really appreciate it. Thank you, Sam. And fingers crossed we will have a good festive period and happy Christmas to you and all the listeners. Yeah, thank you very much and happy Christmas to you too. So that just about wraps up the podcast. Well, obviously after the Burnley game, uh, it was peeing it down and yeah, call me plastic, whatever. I just, I was soaked through, Uh, but come rain or shine after the Arsenal game we will be there so um, if you want to do some fan chats um, 5pm right outside the 1910 come along have a chat and uh, yeah we'd really appreciate your input thank you so much for listening this has been episode number 71 Um, do you remember this week uh, featured the Arsenal versus Bournemouth head-to-head in the Premier League where we've scored a total of eight goals but who scored them I'll tell you right now. Um, right then, uh, Callum Wilson with a penalty at the Emirates. Then remember our three all at the Vitality. Charlie Daniels 
Callum Wilson again from the spot and Ryan Fraser. And then our 2-1 win. That was Callum Wilson again and Jordan Ibe. Whatever happened to him, eh? Uh, Also, Josh King. That was a 2-1 home loss. Uh, We scored on the stroke of half-time during that one. And finally, in our 5-1 loss at the Emirates in February 2019, Lise Mousset. Miss you, Lise. Yeah, so those were the eight goal scorers for AFC Bournemouth against Arsenal. Well done if you got any of those right. So, uh, from myself, Jeff... From everyone that works on Back of the Net, uh, yeah, so me and Jeff, um, also Michael as well, and uh, Sean and everyone who's taken part, um, just want to wish you, the listener, a very, very Merry Christmas. Make sure you drink copious amounts, eat that turkey, gammon, or if you're a veggie, nut roast, whatever. Um, And yeah, just have an amazing time with your friends and family. And then hopefully we can burn it all off uh, by singing and dancing our way to cheering cherries to a three points against Arsenal is that going to happen who knows but yeah very Merry Christmas to you all thanks for listening this has been Back of the Net the AFC Bournemouth podcast Aaron Lennon on this right hand side now it's Westwood 30 yards to the Cherry's goal Lennon out this near side one on one with Rico at the moment couple of step overs back to the edge of the box and Westwood into the near post and the header has gone down and into the net can you believe it and it's Jay Rodriguez he scored Southampton, he scored today for Burnley. Goal is given. Same as last week, a protracted delay. And same as last week, it might be the away team who've nicked a 1-0 win late on. Podcast Network. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.